Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From NewSounds.org and the studios of WNYC in New York, this is Soundcheck, our series of live performances and interviews. I'm John Schaefer. Singer and multi-instrumentalist Louis Michaud won a Grammy with his band The Lost Bayou Ramblers, a group that takes the Cajun tradition and adds a healthy dose of punk energy and occasional electronics. Now he's released a solo album called Rêve du Troubadour, The Troubadour's Dream, and it's full of traditional Cajun sounds married to contemporary beats, whistled choruses, and guest musicians like Bombino, the Tuareg guitarist from Niger, or the cellist Leila Mikala. It's a pretty striking record, and Louis Michaud and his trio are going to play some of it for us here in the studio. First, here's a song called Amourette. Pronto, 
Amaret is the name of the song. That is a traditional song played uh, very untraditionally here in our studio by Louis Michaud. You heard him singing and playing the fiddle. He's also got an accordion and a guitar here with him with uh, Brian Weber on guitar and electric keyboards and Kirkland Middleton on drums, drum pads, and triangle. And... Um, Louis, it's great to have you back here in the studio today. Thank you, John. So glad to be back. And both Brian and Kirkland were with you last time you were here with the Lost Bayou Ramblers. That's right. So what makes Rêve de Troubadour a solo record as opposed to another Lost Bayou Ramblers record? That's a pretty good question. You know, uh, the material that is on Rêve de Troubadour, including the title track, uh, this all came from my personal alone time during the pandemic, uh, as so many albums probably have. Yep, yep. And uh, I think I've heard of, this song before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I came to them too, and I said, "Can we try to record these?" I said, "I'm not sure if, which band they're for or whatever, but let's just try." And they were kind of like, "Man, I think this is your material." I was like, "Do you mean like?" solo album like <laughs> Louis Michaud I had to wrap my head around this so you know Lost by Ramblers is our 25th year yeah, yeah and so this has been a very exciting year to start uh putting out this solo record and we started performing as this trio in January in New Orleans so it's brand new and, and that's what the beauty of the artistic you know Lifestyle is about trying new things, doing sure. new things, pushing yourself to the limit. So. And, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean writing new things, although there are lots of originals on this record. It, there's also new approaches to old songs like Amorette. And, and that, you know, what we just heard, you know, you've got the, the beat making and the, the synth bass and all that kind of stuff. You've even got effects pedals on your fiddle. So, you know, kind of recasting... Uh, tradition is is part of what this album seems to be about too yeah definitely there's i mean in the the name of the rev de troubadour came to me later because exactly it's partially bringing old stories forward mm -hmm. it's partially telling modern stories it's partially telling my own story which is not the material that we'd be playing with lost by you ramblers now all, all of the songs are in French in Cajun French, so I'm, I was saying rêve de troubadour. You just say rêve. De... Oh, yeah, we yeah. we roll our as rêve, but yeah, you you said it perfectly. Uh, okay. Rêve de troubadour. Uh, <laughs> so, did you grow up speaking Cajun French? No, I did not. My um, my dad and some of them learned on their own. My grandpa was the first generation to not be allowed to speak French because uh -huh. his father was bilingual and his mother. They were both educators, and the educators were the ones that were enforcing only English in schools. So they enforced it on their own children. I think my grandpa was one of the only children growing up in Mamou, Louisiana, who didn't speak French. Because mm. his parents were teachers. His dad was the, the parish vet. He was the, the vice principal of Mamou High School. His mom, they taught at all the little schools around Evangeline Parish. And so they were the ones that were instilling Americanism right. into their own family. So two generations later, my dad and them were part of the Renaissance, if you will. Right. They all, like Zachary Richard, Michael Doucet, the Michos, they all went to school together. They were like all in the same, they were in the Cathedral Boys Choir together. <laughs> and they were all part of this Cajun Renaissance, you know. And so um, a lot of my uncles learned French on their own, and I did the same when I came of age, like around 18 years old. So I've been 
learning ever since. Is it hard to write in a language that is not only a second language, but one you didn't come to until you were pretty much an adult? Well, that's the, that is the beauty about it for me is that I used to write and sing in English and I just didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel comfortable as a singer and a songwriter. And when I started finally embracing French, I feel like I found my voice and I mm. found my writing language. And I write almost exclusively in French. I don't translate. I love writing in French. The, the lyricism, the, the rhyme and the rhythm of the language is, works so much better for me. And it's just I finally, like, I love writing in French. It's yeah. naturally so. Uh, there's lots of guests coming and going on the record. Langhorn Slim is on a song called Ticur Bleu. Ça, c'est le moment. Tu peux pas comprendre. Nager dans le fond de mes mémoires. Je jamais When I wrote that song, it came to me in a moment, but like it reminded me of his presence and vibe that he brings in his guitar playing. And, ah. and so like when I was playing the guitar, I was like, man, yeah, Langholm, would you please bring your vibe on this song? And he did, and it absolutely did. And it so it's, it's more of an instrumental feature. I see. But, so uh, all those vocals are you then? Yeah, and uh, Kirkland does the backup live with me, uh, but yes, it's all me. So, um, what is the meaning? I mean, I know what the literal meaning of Rêve de Troubadour, but for you, what is the significance of that title? So, the Troubadour's dream is at once these songs came from my dream time. A lot of them, uh, actually two of them we're going to play right now, the Acadia Interculture Backstep and the Rêve de Troubadour. I woke up two, two mornings in a row with both of those songs in my head. Wow. And I had to, like, go straight to the studio before I had my coffee and just get it in the microphone and I whistled the melody while I was figuring out the chords and then when I wrote the words it was about like the own my own life voyage and me having to you know my head is my shelter mm. and um you know my violin my violin is, is my, my saber is my is my sword yeah, yeah. my sword and my pen is my dagger yeah and uh you know so it's it's all about being an artist and transmitting both my own personal stories as well as like the historical ballads like Costa Marguerite, which is a very interesting Louisiana story. And Acadiana Culture Backstep is about actually modern events in Acadiana with kind of the racial politics and yeah. such that were happening in 2020. And I want to come back to that oh, yeah, we're when, when, we get, when we get there. <laughs> so but a, a troubadour being someone who, you know, was using music to convey messages, and that's what we do as artists. Right. Uh, so this began with you whistling. Yes. And to listen to it on the record, it didn't get that much further. There's lots of whistling. It's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it is a real catchy tune. Um, with the Rising Stars Fife and Drum Corps, or group, or whatever they call themselves, wh what are they doing on this, on the record? So Charday Thomas is the Fife player, and she's like a second or third generation fife player um she plays the fife her handmade fife on this but she insisted on representing as the band but they actually on amoret 
they actually play the drums uh, too. Okay. So they're on both tracks. But uh, on the whistling side, it's been interesting because I've always wanted to do this. My brother Andre and I are both big whistlers. Just we're always just whistling, and it turns out that our great great grandmother. May Mazik from uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, was a professional whistler. And she was uh, offered a job to travel with a vaudeville as a whistler. But she was doing uh, organ and, and violin for the silent films at the time and didn't want to leave because she was raising, she was a widow and she was raising my great grandma and them. So she didn't take the job, but she was a professional whistler. Wow. <laughs> All right. Whistling in the family. Let's. Uh... <laughs> Um, there seem to be many layers of it on the record. Let's hear what the live version sounds like. This is the title track from Louis Michaud's album called Rêve de Troubadour, The Troubadour's Dream.
That is Louis Michaud whistling and waltzing his way through the title track of the album Lève de Troubadour, The Troubadour's Dream, live performance here in the studio with the trio. Um, in addition to the various guests, Louis, who come and go, and, and Brian and Kirkland on the record, there are also other sounds, sounds like field recordings uh, get woven into the mix at, at several points during the record. What's the significance of that for you? As I was recording these tracks, I recorded them in a, in a houseboat that was gifted to me by my friend Corey Ritchie, who was making a prototype for a much greater project that is now alive. And uh, he named the houseboat that he gave me Sister Ray after the Velvet Underground Velvet, song. Right. And it's on a trailer. I just moved it actually last week because it was uh, needed to be changed location. And I had, during the pandemic, I renovated the inside. I moved my studio in. So I had my four-track reel-to-reel, a quadraphonic reel-to-reel, two mm-hmm. microphones inside, and I put two stereo microphones outside facing the prairie that I live in, Prairie de Farm. And I would be recording whatever was happening in nature at the time but actually while i was recording so if i was recording that song you might hear some cardinals or you might hear some crows on another song depending on what time of day it was what season it was so most of these tracks are filled with the actual nature metadata ambient situation happening on the outside and you can actually hear if you listen to the stereo tracks of the nature you can hear me in the distance singing and playing. Wow. So it's a houseboat on a prairie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. It's like it's on the sea. It's floating on the grass, basically. <laughs> um, I want to come back to something you mentioned before. Uh, Le Cas de Marguerite, uh, the song which appears on the record. This is the one that features Bombino, the, the amazing Tuareg guitarist. You, you alluded to it before that some of these songs have kind of contemporary themes to them. This is a song about uh, slavery, right? Yes, it was a song about a a couple, well, a, a French uh, couple who had purchased a slave to raise their children. And when the mother of the family died, the father married the slave. How old a song is this? This I wrote the song. Oh, you did? Okay. So the song is, uh, I wrote it last year. The right. story goes back from the late 1700s. And the reason I was able to find it is because her descent, so what happened was uh, he had his original family, right. and then he had a new family. And the new family was, you know, African and French heritage. Mm-hmm. And they moved to Opelousas from New Orleans, near where I live. And the descendants are all around, they're all around still. Actually, her her seventh great-granddaughter, their seventh great-granddaughter came to the release show where Bombino played and Layla sang with us. 
Layla McCalla. It, it just yeah. so happened Bombino was in town and we got to perform the song as is. And one of her descendants was there. Wow. The end result of the story is that he had to free his wife twice and then she he died. They got put back into slavery and she freed her family for a third time. And it had to go from the Cabildo New Orleans to Havana to the high court. So this is a at, oh yeah, the reason this is at once a historical ballad, but it's also still alive because it the reason I knew the story is because it came as a court case precedent in the 1980s of one of her descendants who wanted to stop having her birth certificate to say she was of one race or another. She said, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. I don't want to be judged by my birth certificate. And so it became a court case, and they went all the way back to those three freeings back in the 1700s. Well, it's just, and also, I mean, New Orleans, a city with, you know, quadroons and octoroons where that kind of mixing, uh, mixed race was, I mean, was part and parcel of the culture. Was and is, and it makes what all this is what it is. And it's in the ups and downs or the ins and outs of society, of culture, of wars, and as we're seeing right now. I mean, it's just, it never stops. And it's the acceptability and the easiness of people to be who they are is always changing. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. Well, it is interesting, you know, that these kind of timeless stories are just that. You know, they're problems that we never seem to solve and we keep wrestling with. And immigration is another one. And that comes up in a couple of songs, including uh, the, the one you're going to do next. But there's also a track called uh, Bascoyo Fleur, which features Dickie Landry. Now, I, I know Dickie Landry is from the down there. But I first heard him up here in New York as a member of Philip Glass's ensemble back in the 70s. Yes. Away, coolie jumpers. Coolie jumpers. And so that kind of unexpected connection between you know, minimalism and and Louisiana jazz and Cajun music. I mean, he's that, he is that connection. Completely. He lives right down the road on Bayou Tesh. And, uh, you know, he's he's a native French speaker. And uh, he told me that that his grandma told him, because he still lives on the property that his grandma had called Grand Point. And he says, Grandma said there was 50 fiddle players on their road back in the day. <laughs> but I did write, like you said, originally about immigration and Uh, the line we close the door to immigrants you know Um, and and again you pick up that theme in this uh, Acadian culture backstep which is going to be part of your your next piece so that's such an important part of the American story but especially of the Cajun story isn't it completely because the as you know the Cajun from the Acadian side at least and all the sides but the Acadian side is a very you know tear-jerking story about how a third of them were shipped away, a third of them uh, stayed there, and a third of them died, died. a third of yeah. them ended up in Louisiana. Yeah. And with not much at all, but for for people who are all immigrants to all of a sudden be anti-immigrant or, you know, just that question, like, how can you be anti-immigrant when you were an immigrant and made yeah. it here? Yeah. Who's, it never ends, it's a never-ending story, but it's... Uh, yeah. 
All right. Uh, but you, before we get to that piece, Acadiana, Culture Backstep, you're, you're flipping the last two tracks of the record, the, the song called... Uh, Shankaye. Shankaye. Uh, you, you're kind enough to give us a kind of pronouncer right there in the title. <laughs> uh, this is kind of a weird sort of dreamy, almost ambient piece of like found sound and music, it seems. Yeah, this came from uh, a recording of Columbus Frugé, who actually was a Columbia recording artist back in the 30s. He's from Arneville, right down from where I live. And someone had gave, given me this field record, a home recording of him, and he talked about how he first learned accordion by stealing, borrowing his neighbor's accordion while he was at work every day. <laughs> and he said, Jali, chinkaye en cachette d'or. I'd go mess around hiding, he said literally on the banks of the Bayou Teche, he'd go hide under a little tree, and that's how he learned accordion. He became just an amazing accordion player, and the word chenkaye is a interesting, like there's, it's not like most people don't even know, the, it might not even be a word, but he says it, so it's a word. Okay. And where does the word <laughs> chenkachank come from? People associate Cajun music with chenkachank. Chenkaye uh-huh. means to mess around. Uh-huh. Or like a kenkeri, which is like a hardware store, you know, getting little pieces together. And so uh, it's basically him talking about how he learned accordion, and it's the samples of him playing a song, La Mazurka Kakapotelina, the mazurka that made Lena fall over when she was trying to dance it. <laughs> Mazurka being a, a, da- a yeah, folk dance, dance, an old dance, yeah. All right, uh, so here's a, a medley of two tunes, uh, Shankai and Akadi- Akadiana Culture Backstep. Live performances from Louis Michaud and the trio here in the studio. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Once again, Louis Michaud performing live here in the studio, along with Brian Weber and Kirkland Middleton. Uh, some songs from his album, Rêve de Troubadour, The Troubadour's Dream. That's the Acadiana Culture Backstep, preceded by Chunkaye. Uh, it's a two-step, right, that, that last piece? Yeah. So backstep meaning? Backstep meaning a cultural backstep. Because we're still... Yeah, you know, it's like the, it's about the, immigration. Yeah, and, uh, the things that would happen everywhere in America in 2020, where you know, racism was ignited and all just kind of people talking about immigration politics. It's like we're trying to move the culture forward, you know. And and what is what we were talking about earlier? What is the culture? But all the people that make it together, you can't right. separate it and have the same thing. It's it's, it's everyone together. Well, uh, Louis, you've played three songs on three different instruments, accordion there, guitar, fiddle. Which, what, what's your first instrument? My first main instrument was actually guitar. Okay. I played fiddle before that, but that's what also the solo record is about, is kind of me going back to that and kind of melding my my past with my present. So I love being able to play guitar. I didn't Because I played uh, fiddle professionally for 25 years now, more. I started playing on the streets here in New York back in 2002. I had started a few years before that was her where I really cut my teeth was on the streets of New York. Really? And that's how I booked my first Lost Bayou Ramblers tour. We played the old CBGB's 13 Club. We played uh, Hank's Saloon. We played, you know, um, Dumbo in Dumbo at uh, Superfine and all those kind of places. But guitar was my original music passion where I just dived in as a uh-huh. high schooler, you know, teenager. Uh, this this accordion looks like it might have been around for a while. And what what is the dead animal on <laughs> the left hand side of the instrument? Well, that's a good question. Uh, the accordion is a Dick Richard. There's two Dick Richard accordion makers. This is the one that uses the pentagram on it. Um, mm. So he's a very rare accordion maker. There's not many out there. And the animal on the side, I call him Cordicoon because. Uh, what happened was I'm not, my brother's an accordion maker and an accordion player. My dad's an accordion player. I'm not so much. And when I started playing earlier this year, I started getting a knuckle injury because that big leather strap. So I was like, man, if I'm going to keep playing, I have to find a way to not kill my finger. I'm going to get a permanent injury. So I looked around my house and my friend had made a coonskin cap for my son. Ah. And I, I said, this might work. And it's so soft. The fur is so soft. The skin's so soft. <laughs> And I didn't have to do anything. It fit right in place. And, you know, it's not all, all about form. It's about function. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's uh, kind of, it looks like he's playing too, and I'm doing like that. Yes, he's it does. He's helping out. So <laughs> he, he's given new life. For, yeah. For I got to say, it is one of the more unnerving instruments we've seen here in the studio, <laughs> Louis. <laughs> yeah, I try not to worry about it. You know, it really is. It's purely, purely function, not form. All right. Uh, the album is called Rêve de Troubadour. Uh, the band, Lost Bayou Ramblers, still making music. We just got nominated for another Grammy two days ago with the LPO, the Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's been great having you and the trio here in this setting. Uh, we'll look forward to getting the, the full band in next time you're in town. Louis, we'd, congratulations we'd on the by. record. Thank you so much for having us, John. 
Our, uh, our technical director is Irene Trudell. Today's session was engineered by George Wellington. Our producer is Karen Havlick. Our video was shot by Joe Enright. Eric Weber is our video editor. I'm John Schaefer. You can keep up with everything that we're doing on New Sounds by subscribing to our free weekly newsletter. Text New Sounds to 70101 or sign up on the website, newsounds.org.